Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Check it all out today on The Gooners Podcast. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Tottenham Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy, and Miguel, and the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season seven 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 welcome to the gooners pod yes and it is so so very beautiful arsenal top of the league after battering tottenham away this is aston mack with the gooners pod hey mike we played a game so you know what that means right it means this. Thank you very much. <laughs> Every time we play. Mike, you're muted. I said you add videos and, and GIFs and clips every time we, we play, which is amazing. Your dedication to the backroom antics of this podcast is just, it's unmatched. <laughs> thank you i appreciate it hopefully everyone out there is doing well and it's a very very good afternoon i mean how could it not be arsenal again at the top of the league do you want to do a couple of quick shout outs i see you in the uh chat chris moss josh page raymond McKell. thank you guys for joining us and again if you like the show if you like us give us a like if you really really like us go ahead and subscribe maybe you might find some hidden content i know mike's wandering around london right now as we speak and you never know when you might get a live live video from him. That is true. This is the first time we could guarantee that Feinberg isn't going to crash the podcast because where he's at, it's too hectic right now. He is at the Spurs Stadium, probably shit-faced and celebrating out of his goddamn mind. Hopefully he makes it out of there safe and sound. But I am sure, and I mean I am 100% sure, if it's not posted on this YouTube channel, it's going to be posted on TGP. On Twitter, he is going to 100% provide you with some solid videos of some celebration. Right, and there's a lot to celebrate, so like, let's just get at it. Um, today, we happen to play a game, and once again, for not the first time, or at this point, not the 15th time this season, um, we looked completely like the best team in the league. What do you have to say about it? Dude, you know, you've asked in the past whether I think we're going to win the league. And uh, and and I I, I battle. I, str- I I battle and I struggle. Yeah, yeah, you're tempting me, dude. I battle and I struggle with it because it's kind of one of those, it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. But there are no easy games, but we're making certain games look easy. And as much as people like to dismiss us as far as being like, it's only this, it's only this, like – Last last week or the week before, I was like, it's only Brighton. And like, oh, but Brighton scored two. But Brighton just cut through Liverpool 3-0 as mm. well. So it's nothing to, to sneeze at. We can't just underestimate and be like, it's only this, it's only this. There are tough games. Every, every team's going to get at the Arsenal. Every team's going to get at any other bigger club. And we seem to be running over these hurdles these these tests right we keep on saying this is going to be the test this is going to be the test and i don't know how much more quote-unquote tests had to go by before people to start believing but even me for as much as 
pessimistic I'm trying to remain because I, I, it's like it's almost like I don't want to get hurt, Aston. But <laughs> but damn, dude, when you see these type of performances, and and don't get me wrong, it's not like Spurs didn't have any joy whatsoever. But when you see these type of performances, this type of level of ma- game management, if you will, we weathered the storm really well in the second half. Ramsdale came up big in a few cha- opportunities as he, he has in the past. And it's difficult not to start dreaming, so to say. And I mean, look, tragic way for, for City to lose with that, you know, that obvious offside that I guess through the, through the books it wasn't. But I mean, we'll take those, man. Yeah, I, first of all, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that because I literally don't know how. How can you not say that uh, United have the refs in their pocket? Because I don't know. I don't know what the definition of interfering with play even means anymore. Like, like I've literally lost all sense. But but I, I, I rather focus on Arsenal. And I think that one of the things that I'm, I'm going to throw this at you, and it's going to make you even more uncomfortable. But did you know that Arsenal have never lost at Tottenham any time they've won the league? We just did, we just won at Tottenham. Just another just another stat to put in our piggy bank. Just another <laughs> feel good moment. If you see, if you guys see the the picture of Ben White circulating, he he did the Theo Wilcott two zero as well. God, I love that man. It's difficult not to not to feel good with everything, and it, it, we maintain a record of scoring first and winning the game because just once again, like we we just seen. There you go. We seem to just. Be able, you are devoted. You are quick, sir. I just want to say shout out to Bulgarian Gunner that used the we won the apertura time to go for the clausura. He's speaking Spangalian, and I appreciate that, Jerago. I really do. That's uh La Liga Mexicana slang right there. <laughs> so I uh, much love uh, and uh, Dublin joined us as well. Vivek, dude, shout out, gentlemen. Really appreciate you guys being here. But, but should I and, and this is and this is the thing and I, and I don't want to take anything away from Arsenal because we are very very good and and at this point like you said it's almost become like a trope for us every single week this is the test and then Arsenal pass it with flying colors like again there's not been there's been maybe 45 minutes of football this entire season where we haven't been clearly the dominant side now the only thing I, I i temper that with is should we really be all that excited for beating spurs because they're god awful and it's about time that they that we started talk like saying that with chest i mean antonio conte more like antonio washed up am i right yeah he's he's losing his magic and lest we forget that he signed an 18 month contract it seems Mm. Lesser and lesser likely that he sticks around at the end of the season. I just don't see it happening. Their squad is aging. So TikTok, not only on the manager, but TikTok on having Son and, and Kane. And like we we saw what they could do. They they have a tendency of playing these really small margin type of football where they sit back, they weather the storm, and a Kane, Son, Kulevesky, like brilliance will, will net them a goal, right? We saw that. They they challenged Ramsdale multiple times in the second half. Ramsdale came up big, multiple opportunities, but that's kind of their game. So when they go up against a team that's a little bit more crafty in possession and knows how to cut them open, and when they're trailing, it's really difficult for them to come in. So they get their chances. Kane is factually good at football, as much as we don't like to admit it. But again, Ramsdale big, and this time those fine margins, those how the fuck did Spurs win that game? How the fuck did Spurs win this game? This time, didn't happen, man. Got Gabriel, Gabriel, Saliba, big games. Ben White, Zinchenko. Zinchenko slightly shaky by his own standards, losing possession a few times. But at the end of the day, man, th- this back five, if you will, including Ramsdale, it, they bell each other out. That's just the theme. It's the team spirit that they have. So we limited their, their opportunities. They had a few chances, but at the end of the day, our, our back five came up big. They'll have to see it. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things. And again, I want to repeat, we are the best team in the league. And I'm saying that with chess full stop. And the reason for that is the other team that you think is the best team in the league, well, when they have their derby, they did the same thing. They absolutely dominated United, much like we dominated Spurs. And the 
lesser team, so to speak, always has to rely on fluky moments of magic. Like you, we're not going to make a goal out of sustained attack, uh, attacking and pressure. So what we're relying on is just a moment that we can slip through. And in the uh, first half, the reason why we named the podcast, the tale of two keepers, I think we showed off exactly the difference in quality between the sides. Every time Spurs try to eke out a little magic, cast a little spell, it seems like, especially Ramsdale uh, had the answer. I think, it, what was it, a, a, a cane header at the end of the uh, first half? There was the yep. um, chance. I mean, like, compare that to Lloris's response to Saka, or I'm going to be honest, Captain Fantastic he may be, but Lloris should be saving that goal from Odegaard every day of the week. Yeah, it was well-placed, but it was also telegraphed. So to, to your point, yeah, you you would think that he had the opportunity to take one extra step before diving to the ground, but that's what a well-placed shot would do to you. And so, yeah, he, he was slightly stone reacting. Uh, first goal, Aston, look, I, I know I'm an Arsenal fan, right? And I know this, but in my opinion, ball was headed towards the net. I know they give it as an own goal. I feel a little hard down hard done by for Saka. What's your opinion on that? I I think, I mean, here, here's a question. If a goalie, like pretend we're in a different scenario, right? And Saka just blasts that ball in the top corner and Hugo Lloris dives and it comes off of his arms into the goal and slaps on the goal. Are we giving Hugo Lloris an own goal in that situation? And it's the same here. I think Saka took advantage of Hugo Lloris. I think the reason why uh, it, the reason why it looks so pathetic was because much like when we saw, I think it was Martinelli versus West Ham, Hugo Lloris wasn't ready because Saka took it so quickly. He he wasn't sure which way Saka was going to go or what was going to happen. And Saka took that hesitation and just drilled it into the goal. And he wasn't set for it. And I think that that's a, that's a Saka goal more than it, than it is just the Hugo Lloris mistake. I mean, I would be gutted if Ramsdale got scored on. But remember, Madison did that to Ramsdale in the Leicester game. And we all said, you know... Fair play. That was actually yeah. a really good goal by Madison. It must be difficult being a keeper going up against Sock and Martinelli when they're coming at you at your near post because we we do the I'm I'm losing the phrase in English, but in Spanish we like to say diagonal de la muerte, which is just a low cross across the keeper mm-hmm. back into you know be it Shaka Eddie that's coming in with the late run. And we saw it last last week, I believe it was, where Martinelli scored a goal in the near post. And it's you see Martinelli or Saka coming at you from either side in that near post, and you're a keeper. You you you're pretty feeling pretty fucked because both of them have the habit of taking a shot to that near post. And you know, oftentimes it doesn't pay out. But when you kind of condition the keeper to know that they're like, he's gonna cross, he's gonna cross, he's gonna go for the cross. And then these guys are just, you know, Saka, just again, wicked shot full of strength, straight at him, and just smacks him in the chest. You could see, like, it caught him by surprise. He was like, holy shit, it's hitting me in the fucking chest. So, dude, it's it's lovely to have these two wingers at our disposal. It's lovely mm-hmm. to see Smith Rowe coming in at the end of the game, getting a few more minutes. Uh, you know, I I had predicted on on my other podcast that I, I jokingly said Smith Rowe is going to come on and score a third. It, you know, it would have been nice just for banter, banter. But at the end of the day, dude, Kept a clean sheet, top of the table, and eight points. And it's difficult to not be happy about it. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about soccer. Let's let's all let's all gather around the fat uh, the fire and talk about our favorite little star boy. Because going into this game, Spurs fans were adamant. They were adamant, and uh, you know, honestly, I'm going to say this. He deserves a better team. Kuliszewski, uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. He's a Spurs fan. You don't ask me for more. But um, they, they're always so, there's always this comparison, and they always want to talk about how much better he is. And I don't actually think he had a bad game. He tried to do what he, he made of what he could. But Saka absolutely destroyed the right-hand side. Like, it, I mean, like, literally, I was about to call uh, Sessignon's family because it was just a massacre, okay? Like, the, you know, you, you have to call his emergency contacts because I don't, I, I think that, you know, somebody's got to 
decide whether or not you pull the plug or you or you keep him a vegetable because Saka and Odegaard is especially were just they were a nightmare for them. There, were, there was nothing that they could do, and that's the difference. Yes, Kulishevsky has some great touches. He can see a ball. He can kick a ball. Uh, he's got a good shot. He's clever. He's creative. But when it comes down to it, Saka has all of that, and he puts it together in a way that every single week he delivers an absolute just take a bow, son, level performance. And at this point, I don't know why we're keeping him out of the conversation. He is world class. He's done it. He's, we've seen our little boy grow, grow up. He is world-class. This is world-class output. Name me a winger that's doing better than Bakayo Saka, who isn't named Lionel Messi. Yeah, no, I, I put him in the world-class bracket after his performance in the big, biggest stage of the world, a.k.a. the World Cup. He, he arrived there, when, again, one of the youngest players. We all know the history in England with the Europa League, and Euro League, not Europa League. And we, we saw him still go out there, put in a massive performance and just shock the world at the biggest stage. So he there's no nerves about him. There's no I'm a kid that's playing in this big team. I'm a kid that's playing in for England. It's I'm here. I'm a star. I belong here. And once you start playing with a little bit of belief backed by the talent that he has, he's running people over, man. He's, he's an absolute menace. He, he got hit, uh, Susan gone. I'm going to butch that name carded pretty early on all at the same time martinelli being a massive pain in the ass on the other side getting um romero booked and mm-hmm. there there are our wingers currently are just absolutely amazing causing havoc you never know if they're going to go left or right and they're just fucking workhorses dude so it, they're difficult to defend for a full 90 minutes and just Take into consideration that that you know Smith Rowe and and I agree with I believe it was Vivek in the in the live chat that said we should bring Smith Rowe back very nice and slowly and I totally agree with that. But it must be a pain in the ass knowing that we have a player that could play both on the left and the right that might when when they're when their wingbacks are getting tired and minute seventy rolls around and we actually have a sub to put in it's going to be just disheartening for defenders so. Long may Martinelli and Saka live, and hopefully biggest thing for us right now, in my opinion, and I've said this multiple times in different podcasts, is it's health is what we need. Um, so if we, we continue to be healthy, I think we stand a chance. Partey was immense. Chaka was immense. But I have to bring this up whilst we're talking about the goals and our attackers. Asin, what do you think about one Eddie and Ketia? I actually, I actually, and and this is going to be, I I don't know how other people feel about it, and I don't really care. I think he actually did well this game. I actually, I think there was, outside of that one chance that, to be fair, it bobbled up, I think Hugo Lloris actually was back to being a very class keeper when he um, saved that shot from Eddie. He should be scoring that, but at the same time, I also make it make um, exception because that ball from Xhaka, there was a there was a bobble on it. There was a real big bounce, and his first touch could have been a little tighter, and I can fault him for that. But outside of that, I think he I think he hold, you know what's crazy to me is he doesn't do what Gabriel Jesus does, which is Gabriel Jesus kind of um, you, you call it kind of the, you know, the position you get in when you squat, he kind of does that and he puts a defender on his back. So the defenders kind of roll on his back. If you actually check out his YouTube channel, he actually, you can actually see him do that in training. He gets a, a, a gym trainer behind him with a giant medicine ball to practice, like being a defender on his back. And it, he's really good at that. But what Eddie does is he doesn't do that he does this weird thing where he can slip the ball just kind of between people's legs and around like there's so many times in the game when i'm like oh eddie why did you lose the ball here oh wait i'm wrong you still have the ball and somehow have made a pass and i'm like and i'm like it, it shocks me because i think that he's done i think he's run himself into a corner and it's over and he just he he's the type of guy that just you know here's the word for it he keeps a play going that's what Eddie and Kedia does. And I think that's actually very, very underrated in, in, in his skill set is no matter what's going on around him, if you get the ball to Eddie, he'll make sure that we don't, the play doesn't stop. We will maintain our attack. We won't just end it unless, of course, he misses a shot on goal or something, you know? Yeah, to, to Drago's point, Eddie was brilliant. He performed. It was, he was immense. 
he should have scored the third, having created that that space. Mm-hmm. But the more you see Eddie play, you know, be it and you, there's always bias out there, right? So you could always take the the the, the side of well, he's Eddie's playing well because the team is playing well. Uh, you, you could be biased if you want to, but the more I see Eddie play, I don't see a massive gap in in work ethic, and I don't see a, a large difference between how Gabriel Jesus plays and Eddie Eddie plays. I think they both have been, you know, and, and Eddie learned this for the record because Eddie wasn't this type of striker, at least from the little that we saw him the last couple of seasons, he's not only put on like 10, 15 pounds of muscle in order to help withstand defenders, but we see him holding up play just as good as Gabriel Jesus. We all know his finishing has been, been pretty decent. It's four five games, four goals so far. Uh, the only question right now with Eddie is how long can he go? Right? Because we do mm-hmm. have a week off, thankfully. So we're going to have that time off, but it is asking for a lot that that wasn't exactly full of confidence when he spoke about Gabriel Jesus, he, he kind of said, hopefully we get him in the last couple of months. So it doesn't <clears> sound <throat> like, like Gabriel Jesus is coming back any soon. So, but for the time being, man, you, you know, you, you play with what you got. And I think Eddie and Ketia is showing a lot of people why he warranted the contract that he got, why maybe mm-hmm. even the number 14 that a lot of people very, very understandable, hold very dear to their heart. But he's proven to be a lethal top quality striker. And as I think it was Mike McDonald pointed out, he believes that Eddie could play in the top for most teams in the top half of the table, at least at a com- competitive rate. So cr- massive shout out to him. And I, I can't not mention Udegaard. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we, 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 can we please, please talk about Captain Fantastic? I mean, not only is he, like, this is the thing about Odegaard that I think goes really under the radar, which I absolutely love, which is he's kind of an arrogant swagger player. He's kind of like, you know what I mean? Where once a game gets going and he kind of starts feeling himself, all the flicks, all the tricks, all the little like sultry little moves that he does. And you can just tell he's feeling himself. And recently in an interview, we had him say, you know, I'm really living my football right now. I'm really living it. And, you know, a lot of the times we criticize Odegaard we a lot of people will say he's not the most vocal captain he's not the most like guy that's going out there to tell you that's because he speaks with his feet he speaks with his feet man and when Arsenal are on top it's Odegaard's the one that's just putting people down reminding them of the gulf in class the chasm the the grand canyon size just space between us and every motherfucker that tries us I like what Dublin said right there. Put the world-class sticker on Udegaard, too. And and it's difficult not to at the level that he's playing because, as you said, Aston, he's playing with a level of swag and confidence that is just absurd. And, unfortunately, he's one of those players where the, you know, the the ticket, the sticker of Real Madrid reject, you know, kind of stays in there. But for those people that have that mentality, like, he couldn't make it there. I, I always try to encourage, like, remember that Patrick Vieira was a failed player in Serie A. Henri was a failed winger for Juve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just because it doesn't pan out for a player, maybe the, the road to the first team is not there, maybe not be as clear. Maybe they're playing in different positions, different tactics, et cetera, et cetera. But Udegaard has been one of the, the most consistent players we've had all season. 18 games in, plus a few cup games. Lest we forget, as marketed for the people that do believe and are like undisputed best league in the world, and there's a really great argument to make that they are the best league in the world. There's most money. They they are they are the super league, as we've said in the past. He is performing at a ridiculously, not just ridiculously high level, but a consistently high level. So it's going to be really difficult to just dismiss it as as like luck or anything because if with the consistency in which he's doing it he's turning people over and and to your point about not being vocal you know what you notice a lot with him is 
he's not vocal in the sense that he's shouting at his teammates, but he's let's let's just label him Italian, if you will, because every other time he doesn't have the bar, has the ball. You see him pointing there, pointing there, pointing there, right here, pointing like right here at the bottom, like ball right here. I'm ready for it. And as he's doing this, like pointing down, it looks like I'm doing the DX suck it sign right here. Uh, doing like he's doing like that. He's already turning his body, preparing because he already sees. Martinelli on this side, Shaq on this side, whatever you want to see it, right? So he's he's leading. He's just not screaming. And that's perfectly okay. You don't have to be a massive guy where like, ah, I get it. You know, not everybody's in Chanko level of passion. And he's been warned because you can't you can't be celebrating like that because he's he's a little out of hand. Zinchenko <clears throat> should not be celebrating like that. So I'm glad that the FA took the time to talk to him. But he think, he is the player that continues to work. Go for it. You think that the Sorry. FA is going to come to Spurs? Dude, listen, I'm waiting for the for the city one to come through. Here's the thing. They opened up a massive can of fucking worms, right? Because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, anything over three players in excess, right? Then we got – and Arsenal fans are going to do what Arsenal fans do, right? We're all over the, the place on Twitter and online, so you and I are going to see it at, you know, plenty of times on our timeline. But – when you say that because they contested a penalty too hard, and this is like the second or third time this season, but then you see the Fulham game, everybody crowded. You see the Manchester City game, and don't get me wrong, I understand their anger, but not only did they bust up the ref there, they followed him to the tunnel after. I'm still waiting for that. But then I I saw it floating around. Dude, thank, thank goodness for the Twitter detectives because they're like, they posted the, the, the actual FA role. They said that the the home team is is in charge of controlling their fans. Well, they failed because he literally fucking kicked Ramsdale on the back. And not only that, leading up to that, Richarlison shoved Ramsdale's head. So these are two things that the FA Cup should be looking at, but they're not exactly covering themselves up in glory with their inconsistency. That that is the biggest thing against the FA is the inconsistency. If they continue to you know, attack one perceived perceived to be attack one team and turn the blind eye for City or Spurs who have been a longtime favorite of theirs, like their players diving, never picking up a reputation for being divers. If this continues to be like that, it's it's just gonna add more and more pressure. So hopefully they do. Uh honestly, this would be fucking scandalous if they don't. Like legitimately scandalous. One thing about that incident, Aston, I have to say that just it fucking cracked me up because immediately shit hits the fan or players starts going over there. And I see Mikel Arteta, right? Just sprinting as if he's fucking playing. And you see him just pulling people away, right? But when he got a hold of Shaka, I knew you were gonna say that. And Shaka keeps on like turning back and like Shaka got that, like these motherfuckers thing going on, right? And you just see at that then he's like smiling, like, yes, I know, motherfucker. I know, but get your ass over here because I'm not trying to get suspended. It was the funniest thing to see that, like, that contrast of energy, right? I swear, I swear to you, and, and I'm probably completely mistaken, but I swear to you, he turned to Jacques. Jacques is trying to turn around, and, he, and I swear Arteta's like, remember what we said, we shake it off, we shake it off. And I swear to God, Jacques says, we shake it off. And he just, like, starts walking the other way. I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, I, I, lo- I love it, but I love it because there's a moment, whether that's what he said or not, what I can tell you actually happened was there was a moment where Mikel Arteta reached Jaka, and in his mind, Jaka literally said in his eyes, "You could see it. I'm not going to get. Fu- I'm not going to get fucked over on this. Like, let we we won. We like like don't let them don't let them do this to us." And he walked away. And that that right there is why Mikel Arteta is better than Conte. That right there is why Mikel Arteta is better than Guardiola at the moment, mainly because of the hair. But also because of of the the ability to really get a tune out of all of these players, get them to do things that maybe are outside of their nature. I mean, how long have we complained about Jaka? And yet, do you even worry about him getting yellow cards anymore? 
like, when does it happen? Because he's so he's he's really gotten to him. And and you know, for a player, I, I remember before this season, and I've said it, and we have all said it, which is like Jocko's 30. He's not gonna learn. Like this is who he is. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Mikel Arteta set Jaka down and did the impossible and he taught, taught an old dog new tricks. And that right there is like, there's so many little things that Arteta does that I just don't think he's getting the credit for. I think he's already performing at an elite level. And, and I know that we haven't won anything and he hasn't got, and there's so many more questions for him to answer. And I get that. And I think that's fair. I think that it's his job to answer all of those questions and, 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 you know, win the league and do the things that he needs to do. But at this point, the things that I'm seeing, I just don't see in other managers. I haven't seen in a, like ever actually, because I've only started watching Arsenal under Wenger, you know, and I only started watching during the banter years when we didn't care, you know, like, so this is, this is new to me and I love it. Yeah. Definitely a feel good moment, and similar to you, I, I, look, I I jumped on into Arsenal fandom slightly earlier than you, but the majority, I would say, of my uh, Arsenal love has been through the, the banter era, if you will. So, Victor Concordia Crest, absolutely, man, you're spot on. So, we're on on the Shaka thing. Before I, I lose that that train of thought, my mate Chris from the other podcast always says that Shaka has to be one of the most improved players at his age in in the entire of Europe. I mean, if you take into consideration that this is a player, by the way, like you, we, we always talk about like the struggle and like his relationship with the fans, but he, he was like literally almost out the door for one. And I think that brings him back and then he plays and he has a great season. Not, hmm. not, this season great but has a pretty solid season by by shaka standards if you will and then after bringing him back into the loop team spiritual captain if you will in the summer he goes listen you're doing great but i need you to fucking do this or we we sell you and he responds once again i i look I don't know if we're going to win the league aston but at this at this time i think shaka's making a really good statement for even the biggest of his doubters to, to love him. So uh, mm. to Matthew, to sell look, Matthew, 100% dude. So I, I've said this on the last podcast I was on. I had the opportunity to speak with uh, not any magic, but Andrew Arshblog. Um, I know a lot of people, and this will transition us slightly asking into, to the transfer window. Cause you know, there's a big story that broke before this. And even I, decided to be slightly petty about it and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you how but I, I i consistently say that wingers we have smith roll Fabio Vieira is coming along slightly as far as backup eddie and kit is currently doing very well so luckily we haven't felt that massive drop that everybody was expecting between gabriel jesus and Ketia. the thing that scares the piss out of me and i i don't understand why we aren't being linked is for a midfielder and i i don't want to turn this into bashing Nenny or lakanga lakanga is young and potentially still we we need to see what type of attitude he's going to have to have in order to improve his game and we'll see the type of person he is if he's going to move forward or stay stagnant Nenny, we know what Nenny does he's a constant professional but he does tend to recycle the ball if Partey or Shaka get injured. This is almost exactly what I said last season. I said once once Partey went down injured, I said, fuck, there goes our top four. I was really pessimistic about that because the drop between Partey and Shaka and Lakanga and El Neni is massive. So their health is top priority for this club right now. Yeah, and and I can't say I think every Arsenal fan like knocks on wood. I mean, we've been fortunate, fortunate and unfortunate in a way that Jock has always been ever present. He one of his superpowers, I think people don't realize, is that he's like ridiculously fit. I think his injury re- record is just 
fucking fantastic. So it's almost like we're due. And that's why that's why that really makes me nervous. And then obviously Partey has had, you know, his injury record. Hopefully it looks like he's coming out. He's had a little while before he's had a little niggle. So it looks like he's maybe going from strength to strength. But either way, we, we understand that there seems to be a, a glaring hole uh, to us. Almost the, if it wasn't for the Gabriel Jesus injury, I think that undoubtedly nobody would even care about assigning an attacker right now nearly as much as we would be looking at a midfielder. And I think the problem that kind of we're starting to realize when we put Sambi Lakanga in the Partey role or we put uh, El Nini in the Partey role or the Jaka role or wherever you want to play them, we begin to realize how special they are, you know, and, and how maybe it's not as easy as we think, because here's the, here's the rub. I think El Nini could play for most teams in the Premier League. I know that that sounds shocking, but yeah, he could go like, there was word that, you know, Unai Emery might want him at Aston Villa. And I'm like, yeah, he would do a great job in their team. Sambi Lakanga, I still think he's a, he's like a Brighton level, like, you know, he, he's still a player and, you know, and I'm waiting for him to prove me wrong because there was a time I said that was in Eddie and Keddie's level. And I, and I was wrong. And I love being humbled by him because Eddie has just, just done everything. He's my, he, he's one of my Hayland heroes and I love him. But to that, but to that point, um, where are the players that can even replace Jaka and even replace Partey that can compete with them for that spot, even surpass them for that spot. And at the very least, when they, when Jaka and um, Partey aren't available can come in and do a job. And I just, I struggle to, I struggle to think of them. Declan Rice comes to mind. Obviously that's the name that gets bounded around. Sangare over at PSV is the name that I always try to tout around, but even still like, Partey, Partey might be the be- one of the best um, CDMs, if not the best CDMs. Maybe Casemiro um, in the Premier League, the biggest, the best league in the world. So yeah, it's going to be hard trying to find that talent profile, and it does make me a little nervous. But you know, listen, luck is sometimes you need a little luck to win the league, and I think that that's that's we need that champions luck, and part of that's those two not getting injured. Yeah, and there's been so two things as far as like internally, if you want to look at it, there's been a lot of rumors and potential if you look at how Smith role plays that he might be able to take up that shaka role on the left occasionally. Um that that's spoken about him a lot of times that he's just tactically gifted, that he could play in multiple positions. We've seen him, you know, false nine, we've seen him on the left, we've seen him on the right, and yeah, why not try him in a middle three? Uh, and then Charlie Patino's having one hell of a season, so shout mm-hmm. out to him. He might be an option. I don't want to jump the gun and tell anybody that I think he's going to be our starter for sure, but it's something to take into consideration. Uh, I just want to point out, I believe it was Dublin Gooner. He said, uh, picks from men's dressing we posted just now, sending love to Beth Mead after her mom passed. So Sad for that club, and it's really nice to see our men's team and our women's team so united. So that's a big plus. Um, look, we're, we're going to finish off this pod. We we said we're going to keep it short and sweet, but Aston, let's talk about the Mudrik thing. And as I like to say, um, on a on a on a meter between zero fucks and ten fucks, how many fucks do you give? Because I I struggle to care about players that aren't signed by Arsenal, um, but. Are, are you one of those fans that like, you kind of get invested in, in a player that we could have had and left? How did you see the deal play out? Well, I think this is very important. And, uh, you know, there's the quote on the screen the screen from our boss it doesn't need need, um it doesn't need much convincing and if they do for me it's not a good starting point if i have to convince a player to stay or join us to arsenal it holds me back a little bit and for me i think that like if mudrick would have turned around and turned down the chelsea deal then it's like you know i would be much more like frustrated with the situation but honestly i i'm not mad that we walked away and i think that that's a huge misconception i think that the people that are upset about Mudrik are not upset that we didn't get Mudrik. I think they're more upset at the idea that it's January 15th 
and we have not signed anybody and we've been here before and it doesn't sound like we're linked to anybody the biggest link that we've had recently is that right back that's been the most solid link that we've had to hear from and unfortunately as much as i i want to say like I, I hate this black and white nature of the way that we talk about people because I think Edu has strengths and weaknesses. I think Edu and Arteta are incredibly good at finding talent. That's why I'm gutted about Mudrik is because if they were willing to go to 95 million for him, that tells me that that guy probably would have just banged here. You know what I mean? Because they don't they don't put it out like that if they don't think that that's the right fit. You know, they very rarely get it wrong and not especially not expensively like that. But the biggest issue that I have with Edu is all of our deals seem to drag. And I know that people are going to be like, what do you mean? Gabriel Jesus, we knew we were going to sign him before we even ended the league. And it still took like a month and a half. Uh, You might say that, you know, oh, well, we got Zinchenko instead of Lissandro. But the Zinchenko links came out at the beginning of the Lissandro saga. So we always knew that we were linked with Sinchenko. I'm talking about Telemans. I'm talking about Douglas Luiz. I'm talking about the imaginary Vlahovic uh, um, sign, the um, link that we had. I'm talking about Bruno Guimaraes pointing out that Arsenal came and talked to him and then they just never followed up. These are the issues that worry me about us as a club. I'm not worried about, uh, I'm not mad because Chelsea signed Mudrick. Listen, they spent half a billion dollars at this point in six months that's wild but it will sink them for the next years i goodbye chelsea when you have an, when this season doesn't go well and you're halfway through next season and it's not going well you will never ever fill your stadium again you're a nothing club and you will return back to nothing and the only reason you guys ever had any sort of anything going on is because you've been pumped full of so much money that it won you some success but now your decisions are so erratic they're going to sink you and i'm happy that's coming to roost that's not what bothers me whatsoever i care about arsenal and right now Eddie and Kedia, Martinelli, and Saka are our only three attackers. ESR is just coming back, and I don't want to throw him in and break him because those three go down. So it's imperative to me, and I think to everyone out there, that we sign somebody, not because I want a flat, shiny new toy, but because I want us to win the league, and I don't want us to miss another opportunity because whether we were overperforming last season or not, we did miss out on top four and we could have maybe done a little more to prevent that. And maybe we buy somebody last January and we don't make top four, but the criticism and the question is still going to be there. And I don't want people questioning my arsenal because my arsenal is King. I like that. As Vivek just, he read my mind right now. He says, once the losses start to set in with no champions league, I think he's going to take a he's going to learn something about European football and he's going to notice that, you know, and as a Dodgers fan, I say this, it's not the dot. It's not American sports. Uh, Dublin Guna, yes, another brilliant comment from him. People are bothered by the money we didn't spend on him, a.k.a. Mudrik. I'm more bothered about the time we did spend on him. So I I agree. Uh, I, I tend to think. A hundred million dollar, dollar euro pound transfer. Mm-hmm. These things kind of tend to drag along. Uh, to your point, they, some sometimes they drag along publicly, and I think that's the worst thing. I, I've said this in the past. I kind of miss the days where I knew fuck all of what the club wanted to do. And like when Vieira got announced, I was like, oh cool, we signed a player. No YouTube compilation hype. No nothing. Just under the table the announcement. And do I wish all transfers were like that? I hate the rumor mills. I'm like the biggest anti ITK person out there. Like I see somebody claiming, and how many times we saw this, Aston? Guys, it's done. Guys, <clears throat> Mujik to Arsenal is done. I just mute them. I literally I mute them if if I if I don't know it's an account that I know that's just like taking the piss. I just mute them and move on because those type so of accounts scary. just annoy the piss out of me. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, they were, they were reporting that pretty much Chelsea had told them, hey, whatever Arsenal has to offer will better their offer. Now, you know, FIFA fair play, you know, financial fair play, be damned uh, for one. Let's move, you know, move that. that. But I am curious, and, and this is 
maybe giving way, way too much credit to a Duan Arteta uh, at this point. But just one thing about that. I I, I feel like the, <coughs> excuse me, the 70 to 75 mark went up almost overnight when they tipped to 95. And I don't know if, I, again, giving them a lot of credit, I wonder if they maybe invested a little bit more time to up the price thinking maybe if we're not going to get this player at the end of the day, we can make Chelsea pay a little bit more. You know, there's that tweet going around where it's kind of laughable where they're saying, you know, Chelsea outbid City when they offered 40 million for Cucurella. So they came in with 67. So it's kind of like crazy the amount of money that they're willing to invest. And I don't know if it's just the owner trying to create some excitement, but uh, that's one hell of a way to operate. And then two, I got to say, man, so far we've had pretty decent plan Bs. And you mentioned Zinchenko. At the end of the day, when when the Martinez thing got completely out of hand, we had Zinchenko within like a week or so. So I am going to hashtag trust the process. I'm not going to lose my mind yet. I understand that it was a large amount of money and I understand that it was a lot of time invested, but I'm going to say that we currently have no real reason to believe there's not a plan B. We Whoa. saw that the club wanted Rafinha and was willing to go 60, 70, 80 for him, but ultimately he wanted he wanted Barcelona. We saw that the club was willing to go up to 95 for Mudrik. So it's not not on their list. So the idea, and you know, now Rafinha is circulating again, and we understand that. Rafinha is kind of an easy link because Barcelona is in like a shit show financially. And, but at the end of the day, they have to fucking get rid of some players, a player that Mm. Barcelona has. And I'm completely digressing here. I'm going to move from the winger to the midfield. I am obsessed. I am fucking obsessed with him. Look, Milan fan, as, as the intro said, a young Mexican Milan fan. I love that fucking player. He is such a good fucking player and he's on high wages. And if we can take him off and maybe reduce those wages, and he apparently he wants to leave too. That would be fucking absolutely amazing for me. But I, I'm a big fan of Frank Kessie since literally his Atalanta days, which is like a very, very fucking long time ago. So um, just spitballing here. But I think there's a plan B. Uh, I, I know that, you know, those links that you mentioned about the Spaniard. I mm-hmm. believe his name is Fresneda. Um, well, can I, I just say- a, go for it? Yeah, I just want to say one thing on it. And, and this is and this is the point I want to say to all Arsenal fans out there. Listen, Arsenal have done a lot of things and they have put us through a lot of stuff. So at the end of the day, those people that are freaking out and, and angry and upset right now, I get it. I get it. Those people that aren't upset, I also get that. I also understand the people that are quietly confident given all the things that have happened at the club. I think that there's too much of us trying to be black and white. You need to feel this way. You need to feel that way. The club has done a lot of stuff. And I think that right now, I think it's pretty understandable that we all draw different conclusions given we don't really have a real set pattern. I mean, if a player's only played five games, but you see him score like four goals and, and, and got an assist, are you going to assume that he's going to maintain that level the entire season? Or are you going to go, maybe this, there's some mitigating factors? I don't know. It's hard to predict. And that's where we are with, honestly, if we think about it, with this uh, with this regime. There, I mean, I know that it's been three years, but it's still a relatively young regime, and it's still two two people at the head of it that have no prior football experience uh, in this way for us to like harken back to. I don't have like Edu's previous CV where I can like see all the transfers he's done. I don't have like you know I can, I don't have like a, a videotape of all of the classes that Mikel Arteta took and his answers to all the tests. So we don't really know. And I think it's fair for people to draw different conclusions. And that's why I think it's a little bit, we we need to come off of each other a little bit more. Remember, the thing that got us here, the thing that Arteta has given us back is he's given us our unity back. Okay? We don't need to be Edu in, Edu out, Mudrik in, Mudrik out, oh, whatever. We, we're all one fan base. And I think for the most part, we are. And I think that we need to, we need to carry that in. And this is going to be the last thing I say, probably where we're going to wrap the show here, which is, 
Arsenal fans around the world. Okay? Say it with chest. Say it with pride. Say it loud and proud for everybody in the back so the haters can hear you. We are the favorites to win the Premier League. We are the best team in the league. Not by fluke. Not by the misfortune of other teams not being great. City went out and bought the best striker in the fucking world. And we are still better than them. Every single week. We are Arsenal. And we are back. And uh, listen, I might, you might clip this up and I might have egg on my face at the end of the season. But nothing can take away the feeling I have right now. And the feeling that Mikel Arteta has given me. And the feeling that, uh, that I feel for Arsenal in this club. And that's it. A, a fan is supposed to, in my opinion, um, because I know there's splits opinions there on how to how to fan right but uh, as a fan it's all we can do man is is stay optimistic cheer the team on through thick and thin and to your point we're we're one of the better teams or in europe the best team in england and that's that's a fact it's not mm-hmm. based opinion so uh, you mentioned that preach as the, the live chat is in you big up man i mean by all means Enjoy it, man. This is football, dude. If you can't enjoy a win and then a North London Derby win and then a mm-hmm. North London Derby win at their fucking stadium after years, if you can't enjoy this, the day, even if you're still like, I have doubts of the manager, I have doubts of this player, we still need to do this transfer. I fucking get it. 100%. Enjoy this fucking day. For those of you on Twitter, Go on. It's a fucking riot right there. It's fucking hilarious to take the absolute piss out of them. Enjoy it. Just fucking enjoy it. If When we win, you enjoy the win. I, I highly recommend it because if you can't enjoy the highs, the lows are going to really fuck you up. That is it. And, yeah, and that's, and that's where we're going to end it today. Enjoy it. Tottenham, get battered everywhere they go. Gooder Pod, out. In the Gooners Podcast, a production of TJP Media, wholly on subsidiary of Wanker Broadcasting Company Limited PLC. All rights and likenesses, except for Owens, are available for purchase and distribution according to the historical tenets of Bird Law. Make sure to check out the Gooners Podcast at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TGP. Find Gooners V Cancer at GoonersVCancer.com. And don't forget, get them credit cards out. The Gooners Podcast has been brought to you thanks to a generous investment from Elon Musk, as well as the letter G and the number 69. Remember, Gooner family, that Tottenham get better everywhere they go. TGP out. Thank <laughs> you.